people will say if your marriage is not working is right go to therapy go to couples counseling read this book listen to this podcast i am a fan of all of those things i'm not downing them but if that's only the only modalities that you're using you're only working with 20 percent of the way that you're designed so you're gonna feel like a salmon swimming upstream and you know spend years spinning your wheels at best or at worst i see a lot of clients and this is part of my journey too where you can end up getting re-traumatized hello and welcome to the healing and dealing podcast i am your host charlotte and i'm so excited to go on this journey with you through a trauma-informed lens we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healing and Dealing podcast. Today, I have Becky Aste, and she is a trauma-informed marriage coach who equips ambitious wives to repair thriving connection in their relationship by moving trauma out of the body. After spending a decade researching and going through every mainstream modality of healing to save her marriage, she found herself two kids later separated from her husband on the verge of divorce. At the final hour, she stumbled upon the unconventional game changer of somatic work that took her marriage from dying to thriving in less than a year and has made it her mission to get into the hands of every woman possible ever since. Hi, how are you? So good, Charlotte. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks for bringing me into your space. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you. I feel like everything that you're bringing with your coaching business and with your podcast is so deeply aligned with what I'm doing. And not only that, your story just resonates with me so much with, you know, things I've been through in my own relationship with my husband. So I can't wait to learn from you and I can't wait for my listeners to learn some amazing things today. And first, I just want to start off with getting to know you and what led you to the place you're in today. Yeah, absolutely. So I got married super young. We were 21. My husband was 23, fresh out of college. And so we were babies. And I noticed really early on this dance between us. Like at the time, I didn't have words for it. So I called it chase and run where I'd chase (laughs) and run. And then when we were good, we were good. When we weren't, we were not. And I was trying pretty soon on in my marriage to figure us out and trying to heal. And so gained new lingo and, you know, vocabulary along the way. Like I identified with anxious attachment style and my husband pegged him for avoidant attachment. (laughs) And then codependent and addiction and finding all of these things that like, hey, these descriptions totally fit us but it didn't actually fix anything. After 10 years of therapy, couples counseling, EMDR, graduated from two codependency recovery groups, went on to sponsor and lead those, you know, books, workshops, podcasts, all the things. We found ourselves two kids later, separated and on the verge of divorce. And so 
That's when I found somatic work. It was a course that I stumbled upon, this woman that I found off Instagram. And her course ended up being this like missing key that I felt like, why did I not find this 10 years sooner? But it turned all of this latent information that I was carrying kind of in my head and just woke it up and really learned how to embody secure connection with my husband. We repaired. We went on to go from just surviving to thriving. And so now I run a group coaching program because I just want to save women decades plus <laughs> unnecessary wheel spinning, trauma challenges, and find out what can super seed their healing journey. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful, beautiful journey. I, I kind of want to back up a little bit because I do relate with, you know, both of your attachment styles. Me and my husband are really similar, but where do you think your anxious attachment came from? You know, I just remember growing up, my mom was very anxious all of the time and any little mistake that she made, like I just have this one memory where she was running the dishwasher while my dad and I were watching a movie and he was like, Dee Dee, can you turn off the dishwasher while we watch this movie? And instead of like, yeah, honey, no problem, she turned it off and then huff started huffing and puffing and stomping up the stairs and was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like freaking out, apologizing, yeah. apologizing. And I was like, in my head, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so I saw a lot of instances like that growing up. And even though I logically knew, like, I don't, that's not healthy. Like you don't need to respond. I, I now know that our body keeps the score of what's mirrored to us since childhood. Yes. And so that was written on my subconscious blueprint of my nervous system. <laughs> so as unhealthy as it was, it was familiar. I think that's a part of it. And then my dad died suddenly when I was 18. It was my first week. Oh, wow. Of he had a heart attack and I met my now husband like that month, the month that my dad died. And so wow. abandonment wounds coming into this relationship, just anytime he didn't text me back or, you know, respond, it was like, it was reminding me of my dad disappearing out of nowhere. I was constantly operating from this place of fear of losing Sebastian, my husband. Wow. That's such divine timing for him to come into your life the same month that you lose your father. Wow. So it's so interesting how when we're younger, we're watching our parents and we see how they're acting and we're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with them? And then we turn into them in a sense, you know, even though we watched it and we saw, we knew we didn't want to be like that. It, it does get deeply ingrained in us. There's so many things that I see now that I remember thinking, oh my gosh, my mom, why does she act like that? And now, you know, I'm catching myself doing it and having to really change that and learn new ways so I don't pass down the same things to my children. So what a great thing that you recognize that. And how would you say your attachment style is now? Yeah, I would say it's still in there. It's not like the anxious little monster never shows up, but <laughs> I get to hold it now with love and understanding right. and compassion. It's almost like I speak to that fearful little creature. I picture it like, or like ego popping up of like, I understand, you know, this reminds you of something from your past, but I'm in the driver's seat now and I know how to drive this, you know, train. And yes, you know, yes. No way. I appreciate you, you know, being there to protect me, but I don't need you to do that anymore. So yeah, literally just have turned into this crazy person who talks to her. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so um, it's great though because you we all have these parts of us that we had to call on so many times when we were younger for protection and i always encourage you know people that i'm talking with recognize those parts love on those parts give those parts compassion because they were there for you when a time that you really need them but understand that maybe they're not serving you anymore and it's okay to let them go and you know some people i know have even named their parts like different names and i so i totally get what you're saying and where you're coming from i yes. definitely have also you know had an at anxious attachment obviously if you've listened to my prior podcast i had a really traumatic childhood you know very unpredictable um not safe you know lots and lots of reasons to to have an anxious attachment style and my husband also very avoidant you know so when you mix those two together can you kind of tell the listeners what you would get when you mix someone who's anxious and you know kind of needy to someone who's more avoidant and not really able to give the person what they need in that moment yeah, it's just like, it's exactly what draws you to each other at the beginning because you're so different from each other. And then it's exactly, mm. it's exactly what repels you because it, both of your core fears are getting triggered. Like for somebody who identifies with anxious attachment style, our deepest fear is the disconnection, the severed connection, the abandonment, the disappearing, you know, from right. our partner. And then on the other hand, you have somebody, if they identify with avoid and attached, they are terrified of intimacy and deep connection for different reasons. Maybe yes. they went through something where there was an intimate person in their life who ended up, you know, really harming them. And so they associate yeah deep intimacy with being a, or maybe it's just a childhood where they had well-meaning parents but parents that didn't know how to really be there for yeah. them emotionally so they've actually never experienced like oh this is what a deep emotional intimate connection feels like you know with my yes. caretaker you know I just feel seen understood like I belong and so it plays on both of our deepest fears and can be yeah perfect storm you know I'm so curious if that's why Henry and I my husband had the same the first two years of our relationship it was like cat and mouse mm -hmm. it was it was exactly what you were describing like I would chase him at one point he wouldn't be ready he would chase me I wouldn't be ready and it but there was always like this magnetic force pulling us together you know but it was just like we both had so much healing to do and and he obviously wasn't ready for that deep intimate relationship and I was, you know, healing from lots of different things, but once we finally came together, we just worked out a way to heal those parts of us together and really talk about it and I would kind of explain the things I'm anxious about so and see where he could meet me halfway and help me feel more secure and vice versa he gets he would be anxious about some things too you know and our insecurities play a role in that so once um you know we both decided like okay we see how we are let's just make the commitment and uh, move in together which was probably the stupidest thing we could have done but we were so in love you know and we were just like let's go for it after that it was like over the years it's been 13 years now we are definitely in a secure space now which is so beautiful and that kind of leads me into like your the issues that came up in your marriage when you notice like you know things weren't going well and you were possibly thinking about separating i've been there too i've been there many times where i would just point the finger or you know 
think of everything that's wrong with him rather than take a look at myself in the mirror and what am I doing? How can I heal myself to show up better in this relationship? So what did that look like for you and Sebastian? You know, like what were some of the issues and, and what, what did you do to kind of move through that? I can totally relate to you with just constant resentment, pointing the finger. I would never say that out loud. Like I would always say, we each have our issues. We each play our part and contribute to the dysfunction. But I really deep in my core believed like, no, you've got way more work to do. (laughs) And I do. Oh my gosh. So good at hiding it, but he can feel like that's what I teach my clients now. Whatever <laughs> the subconscious stories are that you don't even want to admit to yourself, like that's actually what's being communicated, not the right. words out of your mouth. And so, <laughs> wait, can you just say that again? What you just said, that's so perfect. Yeah, it's the subconscious stories that you might be even afraid to admit to yourself. That's what's actually getting communicated, not the words just by themselves. Yes. And I think so many people don't understand that. And all these messages are being sent and, and um, they feel it. They can, they can feel it. Yeah. I know like 97% of our communication is nonverbal. So it's yeah. in our body language, our, energy, <laughs> our eye contact or lack thereof, facial expression, yeah. the vibe, like whatever our body has kept the score of, like that's yeah. sending off signals. And so we get caught up on the words. Communication is only 7% words. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, for us, it was really just me as we went through different stressful life stages. It started with the birth of my son, who's now seven. And as beautiful as that was, as much joy as it brought us, it also led to my fearful, just controlling, manipulative, clutching energy, getting Mm. tighter of like wanting to make sure me and him are good all the time and getting triggered if he didn't respond. I had a previous history of betrayal. And so constantly wondering like, who's he actually talking to, you know, like wanting to go internet search history, his phone messages, a lot of hypervigilance and checking on him, even though I was trying my best to hide it again, he can feel the energy behind that. And so that freaked him out. And the more I clutched, the more it's just what you said, the cat and mouse, the more he avoided escaped with his cocktail of choices with he was in addiction recovery for years. And so it just reached its head uh, through the pandemic. That was another big, you know, kind of fire under or like fire. Or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it reached this head where we realized that we're really not bringing out the best of each other. And we feel caught really deeply on this in this toxic dance. And so, yeah, it just reached its head where he was actually the one, you know, he, he made a, a big mistake that he was like, if you want to separate, I understand. And it kind of took the relief. Uh, it made me feel a bit relieved because it was something that I had been thinking about for a while and kind of like I knew was meant to be the next best step, but was terrified of because here I am terrified of abandonment. And so we did end up, he moved into his mom's for, I think it was a total of three months. Wow. What was that like? The first night I'll never forget. It was the silence of just him not walking through the house, not hearing his footsteps, not, you know, not feeling his energy. And that was excruciating for me because it really did not that I was able to put this together consciously at the moment, but it brought me right back to that 
news of my dad just disappearing off the face of earth, and I couldn't touch him anymore I couldn't talk to him I couldn't hear him I couldn't you know he was just gone and so that's what it felt like and it was excruciating and so my nervous system I remember I mean even looking back at journaling during that time these entries were like please to God like please can Mm. you just my nervous system feels like it's on fire I didn't even know what that meant at the time yeah like I was just crawling out of my skin and I called my best friend I remember saying Courtney I think this is where people are on the brink of a nervous breakdown like I or about to get admitted for psych help because I feel so unstable on a level I've never experienced before so it was awful and then that's when I I was just scrolling on Instagram because that's what you do when you're trying to drown out (laughs) right woman and her the reels that she posted were like it was a funny one on repairing after betrayal trauma and I was like oh that's a heavy topic to make a joke about but I can use a little laugh right now like everything feels heavy and then I find myself daily scrolling all of her content like Netflix binging every single one of her posts deep diving and just ended up, you know, booking a call with her. And so it was awesome. during operation that I did find what ended up being, you know, the healing. How was it for your husband? Do you know the separation? Yes. How do I even describe it though? Nobody's <laughs> asked the question. That's so interesting. So for a while, he was relieved. There was this relief part because, you know, the avoidant part of him was like, okay, this is space. Like I can yeah. do it want kind of freedom and he did do what he wanted during that time there was like more stuff to heal from and give and apologize and it was also really sad for him like he has always been the most incredible father so I think the separation from the kids was excruciating for him and he was just really confused, kind of just like on this wandering kind of soul searching journey that time was just trying to tap into his own different paths of healing that he had never tried before. And yeah, it was it was kind like, of a disillusioning time. What what did he try? I'm just curious. I mean, he met with like a psychic, like for okay. example. He's never gone down that route or, you know, experimenting with psilocybin, you know, just Mm -hmm. to help with his own depression, meeting with a different therapist, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Awesome. Wow. Like, you know, it's beautiful to hear that he actually went on a healing journey himself because that's why I asked because oftentimes, you know, women will kind of turn inward and really try to work on themselves and, you know, men sometimes don't really take that opportunity to do that. So I'm so happy for you that that he did because, I mean, what happened? You guys worked it out three months later? Well, first, I just want to comment on that because it's interesting because at the time I wouldn't have said, oh, wow, he's on his healing journey. Like I totally felt like what he was doing wasn't the right kind of healing, you know, and had judgment towards. Mm, Interesting that he was trying to take and even with the therapist he was seeing the story in my head was like but you're not actually in it you're just doing it because this is what I said that I need you know wow and so now I can honestly say he's always been on his own path and he's wanted to soothe his suffering and his trauma just as much as I did but there was again, back to the finger pointing, you know, I did not, I was not able to see the effort because it just didn't look like that on the outside. Yeah. Uh, 
you had your idea of what you wanted him to do, but we soon realized that we can't control other people's healing or their journey or how fast they heal. And that's also been something I've I've had to process and work with as well, because my husband definitely isn't, you know, in this like growth mindset like I am all the time. He is, but, you know, it's just not as, I guess, rapid as mine because I'm like in it and like really working. So yeah, it's it's hard when we place this judgment on our significant other of where we wish they would be or what wish they would be doing. But as soon as we're able to let go and let them heal on their own and you just focus on yourself, they are, they're watching you too. And they're seeing how much you're healing and how beautiful that is. And then they're like, wow, I want some of that, you know? Or, or you know, what have you been doing? you know, maybe teach your partner some stuff. So that's so cool. I love it. Yeah. And that's what it was. If you ask him now, like what was the turning point? He'll comment on how different the energy felt like in the home between us. And he said for the first time in our relationship, he was able to sense just the safety that Mm -hmm. I had my own skin and my own, you know, energy. And if he I remember having conversations where he was being more honest than he had ever been in our entire relationship and me not getting rattled and sent into a spiral and me being able to just nod my head and like radically accept what was coming out of his mouth, Mm -hmm. which one felt insanely freeing for me Mm because I wanted to be hooked from him as much as I was clutching, you know? Right. Yes. And also really like, whoa, what's happening on his end? Like I've never been able to speak my truth on this level and for her to really have herself. And so yeah, that was the difference was during that separation, we started to have conversations like that and COVID kind of helped as well. I remember there's one night where I went out with girlfriends and I was like, you can crash here if you, cause he was watching the kids. I was like, if you don't want to go home super late at night, just crash on the couch. But he woke up the next morning and he had COVID. <laughs> You're was stuck very, now. <laughs> yeah, we weren't sending him back to his mom's house. So it was the 15 day quarantine that we started to have some of the most breakthrough conversations. Wow. Really? Wow. That that's awesome. I need to know what you did. What did you work on in those three months that transformed you so much to where your husband felt a different energy and vibe and safety? The program that I did, it was called Beyond Breath. And I just want to give the coach a shout out. She's incredible. Her name's Soraya Bastian. But what she taught me to do is repair connection with my husband by moving trauma out of my body. And so seeing for the first time how to go from the fight, flight, freeze mode into the rest, digest, I can breathe mode of, oh, this is what it actually feels like to feel safety in my body. And so she used it a lot of different modalities from, you know, breathing exercises, yoga, grounding tools, especially at the beginning. That was like a lot of the work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I had never done yoga before or like done guided breathing, but right. it, it was just new. It was on a deeper level than I had ever experienced. And it was actually starting to work. Yeah, and then, your intention as well was probably different. What's that? Your intention was probably different too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the most, I think, desperate at the end of my rope I'd ever been because I had tried so many other things. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And then she was really the first coach, mentor, like guide in my life that 
really taught me how to turn back to my own intuition and learn to trust it and be able to learn what feels in my body like a hell yes, what feels like a no, not right now. Mm-hmm. And then what feels like a no, never, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. And I had been through just a lot of different from relationships I was in where there was gaslighting or like a secret sexual abasement or, you know, deceit. I had learned not to trust my gut because anytime something fell off and I brought it up, I was either lied to or it was hidden from me. And wow. so I after years, I thought I must be crazy. And then just some of the different spiritual communities that I was a part of, there was Mm -hmm. way more of an emphasis on trusting authority and other people and getting advice than being pointed back to like, but what do you think? And what do you, so it was a big, you know, journey of just reconnecting with myself on the deepest subconscious spiritual and cellular level that I've ever tapped into. How long is the program? Uh, hers was an eight week course. If you're going through her modules awesome. uh, a week, when I got in, it was like lifetime access to the program, but she's since shortened it. I want to say it's nine months now. And that really does end up serving people. Some people, because they know, oh, I have lifetime access to this. I'm never going to get around to it. And so she right. did that serve her clients. Yeah. First, I just really want to acknowledge you for doing the work because it's not easy. It's not easy to dig into yourself and figure out why am I like this? What can I do to repair and be the best version of myself possible? And so many people don't do it. So I'm just really proud of you. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. That. Yeah, of course. I want to kind of pick your brain on The thought of, you know, I'm sure you deal with couples or wives where they both come from trauma and, you know, what would be some advice that you would give to a couple who both have suffered from traumatic experience in their lives, but they are in love and they want to be together. But, you know, all of these things are coming up for them. Is that, is it even possible to be with someone else who's had severe trauma Or, you know, should people look for, if they've had trauma, should they look for someone who had a squeaky clean childhood or what's your take on that? I love that question. And now because of what I've been through and what I've seen and just so many different women with different stories, baggage, trauma, you know, deep, deep hurt within the marriage and even carried in from before their marriage. I am now a believer and you can't convince me otherwise that there's really no trauma that can't be repaired and healed if you really are dedicated to putting in the work. And so what I would say is to answer that of like, where do I start if I'm in a relationship where I've been through a lot and my husband, where we both carried in this baggage mm-hmm. is possible to repair. I'll answer that question kind of by geeking out for a second. Nerding awesome. I love that. <laughs> okay. We all have what's called vagus nerve. It's like the giant big kahuna mm-hmm. nerve that runs from the base of our skull to the bottom of our spine. And you can think of it like the super highway of information that the vast majority of neurotransmitters, like internal chemical messengers are constantly traveling up and down mm-hmm. your spine. So 20% of those internal messages go from our brain to our body and 80% go from our body to our brain. 
And so what the like modern, especially Western psychology, mental health world people will say, if your marriage is not working is right, go to therapy, go to couples counseling, read this book, listen to this podcast. I am a fan of all of those things. I'm not downing them. But if that's only the only modalities that you're using, you're only working with 20% of the way mm-hmm. that your body is designed. So you're going to feel like a salmon swimming upstream and, you know, spend years spinning your wheels at best or at worst. I see a lot of clients and this was part of my journey too, where you can end up getting re-traumatized because of how much you're replaying the past and staying stuck. The body work, you know, somatic work or nervous system regulation, those are kind of words to describe working with that 80% of natural flow of messages. And so that's the suggestion, you know, the Mm -hmm. advice that I give is just like, please, for goodness sake, learn how to get into the body and move trauma out because your body has kept the score of all the trauma that you've survived. And so that's where I would begin. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And a great place to start for that is the book, The Body Keeps Score. That one, if you haven't read it yet, everyone, you have to get that book because it really explains everything that um, we're talking about. And it's funny because I didn't recognize my nervous system when it was activated until I I would feel it, but I didn't know what was going on, you know, kind of like you said earlier, like, I feel like I'm on fire, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how to tame it, you know, until I started somatic work and learning about my body and where I feel certain things and really being able to focus and slow my breathing and do the breath work and breath work has done amazing things for me. The first time I did it was honestly in February and I had the biggest breakthrough I've had in so long. And it's going to sound so simple when I tell you what the breakthrough was, but it was the first time I genuinely told myself, I love you. Mm. And it was, you know, where it was a huge room with all these women laying on the ground. And it was an event that I went to for the coaching program I'm in. And I started, you know, following their instructions and doing the breathing. And all of a sudden, like it just came pouring out of me and I was crying and I was like, just releasing everything that was inside of me from my body. And it was like throwing up, but it was like, yeah, with your body, you know? And I was saying things out loud. I was, you know, talking to myself, but everyone was doing it. So it was like kind of loud in that room. So I didn't feel uncomfortable or anything. And at one point, I didn't even care who heard me. I was like, I don't care. I'm letting this out. And at the end, I was just crying and I was holding my chest. And I was like, just saying, I love you, Charlotte. I love you, Charlotte. And I wrote, I journaled right after because I didn't want to forget, you know, what happened to me, that major shift. And I'll never, ever forget that. And since that day, the first like week I was on it, I was like, I love you. Every time in the mirror, you know, I was trying to keep it up. And now I I do it as often as I can remember, but now it's like when I do it and I look at myself and I tell myself, I love you, I believe it. And I'm like, yes, like this feels so good to know that I do love the person that I am right now. Because for so many years, I, I thought I did, but I really didn't. You know, mm-hmm. I was just always so activated that I never could calm myself enough to even like the person I was most of the time. You know what I mean? Like, especially with drinking alcohol throughout the years and 
that really played a huge role in me not liking myself. So now that I'm sober for eight months, that's completely improved, which is fantastic. But yeah, the somatic work is, I hold it so deeply to my heart and I can't wait to dive in even further so I can, you know, be a master teacher someday and teach people breath work and somatic work. But the the mixture of subconscious and somatics is so interesting to me and I and I love it and I'm definitely going to use it on my clients when I start working with people one-on-one for sure. That makes me honestly so excited because when people hear kind of what the work that I do and I tell them a little bit about the program, the most common response is like, wow, that's so unique. Like they're <laughs> but like, wow, I haven't heard of that. And my response to them is genuinely, I hope that this is not the response like five, 10 years from now, hopefully even sooner where yeah. it ends up being the norm. And when people's, you know, relationships or nervous systems are failing, the first suggestion is like, get into the body, like get into somatics because right. it is as powerful as you described. And that's also what I love about this work is when you try to tell people, it's almost like this is going to sound too simple to be so powerful. But when you experience it, you know, like there's no breakthrough that tops that the simple things of like, no, not only could I tell myself, I love myself, like I actually believe it not mentally, but in my whole being Mm -hmm. in my cells. So it just makes me so excited. I'm like more somatic practitioners, where you at? Come for it. (laughs) Never yes. even if you're listening right now and you're like, this is the first time I've even heard about it. Learn it for yourself. Pass it on to your children. Like it truly is. I'm seeing this rise mm-hmm. of awareness and conversation about it. And it makes me really freaking excited. Yeah, for sure. One tool that I used daily, sometimes multiple days is anchoring. And I'm sure you know what that is. Just so everyone knows, it's when you find, you know, safety within your body, whether that's your heartbeat or your breath, and you just take, you know, some deep breaths and you kind of find safety inside your body. And then you find safety externally, whether it's the walls around you, the chair you're sitting in, and you really just calm your whole energy. And for me, that really works. It it can only take a couple minutes sometimes. It can be longer if you want, but really just finding that grounding energy when you're, especially in those moments when your nervous system is you know, starting to be activated and you're like, okay, I need to time out for a second. I have to do that all the time with my kids. No joke. <laughs> but yeah, I love anchoring it. It's really helped me in the day-to-day moments, you know, what have you tried EFT? Have you tried tapping? I, I was so skeptical at first. I'm like really just tapping on your palm and your forehead. Like this looks crazy, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just like all crazy at first but then when I started to dedicate myself to it consistently and see the massive breakthroughs I was having in a lot of different areas I've done tapping on my relationship I've done it with my parenting with healing money wounds it's almost undeniable I'm like either this is a massive coincidence (laughs) or this freaking works and when you even do studies and like see the research between traditional you know talking through things versus tapping through them the longevity of the results like the results actually lasting is night and day different uh, compared to problems I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I'm teaching it to my daughter. Tapping, for anyone who doesn't know, it's another way to calm your nervous system. And especially if you're feeling really upset about something, you go through this tapping sequence on your body and you know you rate it how you feel at the beginning and how you feel at the end. 
And if you ever, anyone ever wants to try it, I am a certified practitioner now, so I'd be happy to lead you in an EFT session. I'm still, you know, I do it with on myself, obviously, but still practicing with clients. So always looking for new people to take through that and just learn, you know, learn what this can do for your body and for your mind. Definitely a beautiful thing. I'm so happy to have found it, you know. I love that you mentioned the kids too. I saw a reel the other day and it was a mom baby wearing, she was wearing her baby and she was tapping while she had the baby on her chest. And I love that. You co-regulate with whoever's like in your Yes. Yes. If they're like literally on you, like your circadian rhythms sync up. Like if you're in a fight flight mode, your baby's going to pick that up. And if not, totally. And so it's powerful when you bring in the kids to it. And sometimes I'll even tap on my kids when they're in a tantrum. Like they don't mm-hmm. even know. so yeah powerful stuff yeah my daughter just turned eight and she had a major tantrum like a week ago and it was my first time practicing with her excuse me and she kept she says this a lot where she's like i like my body just wants to freak out and i can't control it and then you know she's voicing this to me and i'm like okay what do do i remember to do i'm like go back to you know like the coach charlotte you know or the healer and and i sit her down i'm like okay we're gonna try tapping it's this technique and she's like crying super heightened having a really hard time calming down and um i went through it with her and we went through you know the the sequence three times and by the end she was completely calm and she was like wow we should do that again. I was like, yeah, you think so? Like, look at you. You're you're so calm now. And she couldn't even remember why she was upset. Amazing. I know. Like, imagine our parents would never do that with us. It just wasn't available. <laughs> They're like, I'm not tapping on my kid. That's crazy. <laughs> but it's pressure points. That's why, everyone. So it's it's based on Chinese medicine, acupuncture. It's pressure points. And there's certain spots on your body that will calm your nervous system when you do the tapping sequence. So look into that for sure. Or DM me, email me, or reach out to Becky if that's what you want to do for some somatic work. you got to get in on this movement because it's life-changing for sure. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk? I, you know, I noticed that you had sent me a three, what was it? Three, uh, something to include in the show notes. What is that? So I have a free training that I usually offer new followers in my Instagram community. It's three secrets to thriving intimacy Mm. and it's just a free 20 minute webinar on all the ways that I was, you know, kept stuck for years and the three things that help launch, you know, my marriage into repair. And so that's a free offering for you. If you, if you want that, she'll include that in the show notes. Definitely. I'm going to jump on that too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy we were able to connect and we have so many similarities and probably so much more we can talk about. But thank you for sharing your energy and all the beautiful things you said and geeking out for a minute because I think it's so important for people to understand, you know, the science behind it and the biological points to understand. So yeah, there's, there's actually just a side note. I thought I listened to this podcast all the time and I'm wondering if you know it, her name is Victoria Albina and no. the podcast is called feminist wellness. No, but I love podcasts. So I'm going to go follow that. Okay. Everyone, this podcast is amazing. It's 
all about somatics. It's all about your body, polyvagal nerve, everything like that. So I've had a a call with her one-on-one as well. She does run a program. It's expensive and it was out of my price range, but highly, highly recommend that podcast if you're looking to learn more about somatics and what's going on in your body and so many other things she talks about. I really highly recommend it. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And I will include all of your information in the show notes so people can find you. But what is your Instagram handle? Just so everyone has it now. Yeah, Rebecca Lee Oste. Lee Oste. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for another episode. I also just want to say to my listeners, the reviews I've been getting have been so amazing and have warmed my heart more than you could possibly imagine. So thank you so much for sharing the podcast and leaving reviews. It's really motivating me to keep going and share my voice with all of you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.